Howdy, Shammers. It's your favorite sham host, Andrew, here. With a quick note before we start the show, this week we had planned to release the third and final installment in our dueling sham fiction trilogy, but that episode's sheer awesomeness proved too difficult for us to wrangle in just a week's time. It may have something to do with unusually busy schedules, or that it simply takes a bit more time to create what might possibly be the most exciting and most excellent episode we've ever done. And I'm not just saying that because I'm one of the writers in it, though it helps. So, you'll have to wait one more week for the climactic conclusion, and I believe I've set your expectations appropriately. Marcus and Eric are totally on board with me saying this. Alright. But, we made a pledge to you, a binding oath, to release a new episode to you, our cherished listeners, every Sunday. And we ain't no Oathbreakers here! So, we've dipped a brave hand into the pool of this show's primordial ooze and produced a proto-sham fiction episode for your enjoyment! What you're about to listen to is a test cast that we recorded way back in 20-0-15. Not sure why I threw the aught in there, but I did. Anyway, we recorded a few of these to suss out the show structure and get ourselves comfortable in front of the mics. It's a bit shorter than what you're used to. There's no prediction segment, and the post-reading discussion is brief. But I think you'll find it adorable. And the audio quality is just as good as what you've come to expect from your favorite fake fan fiction podcast. Fa-fa-foo. Alliteration. Alright, I've gabbed enough for now. I'll meet up with you again at the end for a quick sign-off note. Until then, enjoy this peek into sham fiction's past. You're listening to a Two Jackets podcast. Check out more at twojackets.com. Welcome to Sham Fiction, the podcast where we break the first rule of fan fiction, that you have to be a fan to write it. We're Two Jackets Productions. I'm Andrew. I'm Eric. And I'm Marcus. Here's the format. Each installment, Andrew, Eric, or Marcus will be presented with a media franchise that they are unfamiliar with and challenged to write fan fiction about it. We'll start by giving the author some basics, like characters, overarching plots, and those special elements that make each franchise great. The author will then take this info, throw out what they don't like, and a generous helping of creative license, and come back ready to read their masterpiece for all of us to enjoy. It's fan fiction written by non-fans. It's sham fiction. This week's author is Marcus. All right, so I'm told we've got a more serious story that you'll be talking to me about today that I will be chronicling from your hearts to my ears to my hand. So what am I writing about? (laughs) Something that uh, is not normally uh, written about in the fan fiction circles, but I think you'll enjoy it. I know we will. Oh, we will definitely be enjoying this you know and i wouldn't jump to conclusions here eric there there might be a dark corner of the internet that writes fan fiction about this movie (laughs) so what are we what are we doing what are we all right marcus so uh this week you're going to be writing some sham fiction about the seminal work of director paul thomas anderson titled there will be blood this is i thought you were gonna say resident evil (laughs) (laughs) no no. Oh my goodness. Maybe next week. It's a different Paul Anderson, right? <laughs> so, 
uh, Paul Thomas Anderson and uh, There Will Be Blood, a delightful little tale, a film from uh, 2007. Uh, it is described on the Wikipedia as an American epic drama film. Epic drama. It is both of those in high, high quality, quantities, both epic and dramatic. So There Will Be Blood chronicles the life and times of a man named Daniel Plainview. And Daniel Plainview, who is played by Daniel Day-Lewis in the film, Oscar winner Daniel Day-Lewis, multiple Oscar winner Daniel Day-Lewis. He picked up his, oh gosh, like 17th Oscar for uh, playing this role. Um, <laughs> Unstoppable I th- Oscar winner I think Daniel he's won Day-Lewis. every single one since 1990. Pro- prolific Oscar winner Daniel Day-Lewis <laughs> plays uh, Daniel Plainview, and Daniel Plainview uh, at the start of this film is a miner. He's mining for gold somewhere in the desert, and he strikes it rich, and he becomes an oil man. He's an oil uh, baron. I... So black for gold. time. Texas so team. you know. So you know this isn't uh, something that took place in in 1982. This is a film that takes place in, uh, I believe it starts in the 1890s, and through the course of the film, it actually takes a few decades. Uh, we end up in the early 1900s. Um, but I think, uh, Andrew, the most interesting portion of this that we, wanna, we want to focus on, I want to say is somewhere in the middle there, so somewhere around the turn of the century. Yeah, it's, it's right after yeah, the turn of the century, so... So early so on, so the setting the of it takes place in this small town that's springing up around an oil field called Little Boston, and that's where Daniel has staked his claim. Uh, de- this is West Coast. This is in California. Yes, he's in California, but not near the coast. Well, kind of near the coast. It's just in the desert. It's terrible, terrible country. Nothing grows yeah. there. But he finds as is stated at some yeah. point. They only have <laughs> goat farms, and on one of the goat farms lives the Sunday family. Oh, the yes, Sundays. Where Daniel's nemesis turns into nemesis, Paul Sunday. Or no, Eli, excuse me. It's it's, yeah, Eli. it's Eli. Paul is well, the is the twin yeah, the, the twin, twin brother, brother of, yeah. of well, Eli who told Daniel about the oil there. That's what brought Daniel there. But Eli is the one the twin that stuck around and he is a um he's a preacher. Yeah, he's a very, very, very devout Christian. Um, he has started his own church called, I think it's like the Church of the Second Revelation or something like that. It's something very, very uh, aggressive. It's big. Yeah. It's big and yeah. grand. He's, he's the sort of guy that like shakes and yells when he's, you know, speaking his word. He, he goes into fits and, like, hits people and shakes people. Speaking in tongues and the whole deal. The whole evangelical sort of uh, inspirational sort of thing. And Daniel is a capitalist. He is all about the money. He's all about making his business run. He is not a man of faith. He does not care at all. So you have these two warring factions. One, the progressive capitalist. The other, the very devout Christian who are battling it out for control of the soul of this little town. 
And probably the last character that you really need to know about, because there's, you know, a bunch of little oil guys, you know, that are helping out or parishioners at the church. But the last main character is Daniel's son, who is named H.W. H.W. Plainview. H.W. is, I would guess, like 11 or 12 at this point in the story. In, through, through most of the story, yes. he uh, He's an interesting little kid because uh, when his father discovered oil, uh, when he was very young, there was an accident. Um, actually, it was, it was right before the accident of this. He wasn't too young. He was still uh, just uh, probably like 9 or 10 or something. Uh, but this, ac- this uh, accident, there's an explosion. The, the oil, the derrick blows up, and it kills... Um, hw's real father um and he goes deaf am i am i you are you are really mixing things up oh there's two different events there's two accidents so early in daniel's oil career he was there are two explosions he was he was drilling for oil and the bio uh marcus if you don't know oil blows up that's that's a very important fact about this story oil blows very dangerous that's gonna be the name of the story (laughs) <laughs> that was the toss-up. It was between there will be blood and oil blows up. <laughs> One of them would have got me to the theater. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So so yeah, you're right. There was uh, when H W was a wee wee little baby. Uh, his father was killed in an explosion, an accident. Um, actually, it wasn't an explosion. He just got hit in the head by a big heavy object. Yeah. The the dr- the crap, drill bit. Crap. You're 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 mucking it up, but it's okay. It. I haven't seen this in six months. Give me a break. But uh, he dies in an accident. Daniel Plainview, the good man that he is, decides to care for the child and raise him as if he were his own. Uh, And then, when H.W. is about 10 or 11, uh, there is an explosion in his father's oil well, and he goes deaf. He can't hear a dang thing. And this is like a big, this is kind of the primary conflict between the two of them because before the incident that made H.W. deaf, he's this cute little kid. You know, he's like, like we said, he's probably like 10 or so, you know, just before the teenage years where he gets awkward. And Daniel uses him as like, I'm a family man. Here's my adorable little son. You should trust me. Um, but when he goes deaf, H.W. becomes a bit of a, you know, a problem because he's now disabled as far as they see it because they don't understand how to deal with de- deaf people at this time. So it's kind of this, that's where kind of the drama comes between the two of them at that point. Between H.W. and yes. Daniel. Yes. And, uh, yeah, uh, without going too much further into the actual story, I think we're going to leave the rest up to you. So recently, uh, Daniel Plainview's son, H.W., has gone deaf, and now that's uh, causing some trouble. So I got two questions for you. Uh, Probably won't get to them in the story. But why does Daniel go after oil after he strikes it rich with gold? He he strikes it rich enough with the gold that he can open his oil company. So he doesn't find enough gold to sustain himself. It's just enough for him to get going. Okay. So he, he knows the real money's in, in oil. He gets a call. I assume you get calls in the early 1900s from Paul Sunday. And Sunday says, 
you know, pack up his bags, move to Beverly Hills, that is. And uh, and he's got the oil. Or no, that he goes to Beverly Hills after the oil. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That would make more yeah. sense. Yeah. No, he goes to some podunk uh, down to get the oil. And there's there's conflict in this town between Daniel and Eli. Uh, mm-hmm. Because Daniel's corrupting people. Is he making people work at the oil rig? How's- he's actually, he's buying up every scrap of land he can so that he can pump the oil out of the land. So he's he's taken he's taken the land from everybody. Ah, he's making them an offer they can't refuse. Too much money. And Eli's saying this is ruining our town or our good morals. Yeah, he's bringing in a lot of uh, working class men. Some of most of them don't have families and he's working them to the bone and they can't get up to the church to do some praying. So he's bringing mm-hmm. some godless types to the to the small little Boston community. Boston, California. Little, little Boston. Boston. Little Boston, California. All right, so I think I got this. Let me just do a little recap here. This is an American epic drama. Thank you. Alternately titled Oil Blows Up, <laughs> starring Daniel Day-Lewis as Daniel Plainview, which I don't know how that will come across in the prose, but it will. <laughs> Daniel is a devout capitalist. All he cares about is the money. Gold wasn't enough for him. When he struck gold, he decided he wanted to strike black gold and get the oil. And this is all dependent on whoever's listening to this knowing about the Beverly Hillbillies, which I'm not sure anyone does. How can anybody not? Right. Uh, So anyway, he gets the oil company going at the turn of the century in Little Boston, California, which brings him in conflict with the preacher man, Eli Sunday who was related to Paul, who was super best friends with Daniel and is now MIA. I assume he's in the war or something. We'll figure that out. Maybe aliens? Yeah, it's uh, up to you. Yeah, I'm, I'm the captain now. So then they get in a fight over the town for the land, and H.W., who was sort of the uh, the dog and pony show that Daniel brings out to the town to bring goodwill, ends up going deaf, causing some family strife. And his uh, conflict then is, do I get to drain the land before the church can scare me out of town on religious grounds? Lots of explosions. That's good. Yeah, no. And you will get more points the more explosions there are. Check. Uh, Grizzly deaths are always good in this world. Okay, grizzly deaths, very bloody. There's got to be a lot of blood, and there's there's got to be a lot of exploding oil. Got to be a lot of blood and a lot of oil. All right. Anything else that I should know? What what stands out? Any uh anything that I get bonus points for other than explosions and blood? Uh, those are the things I want to see. I mean, if I was going to read a fan fiction about about uh, this property, about oil blows up, the film by Paul <laughs> Thomas Anderson, uh, those are the things I want to see. Okay. Uh, and if I if I get confused and think that this is Paul Paul uh, Anderson from Resident Evil making this movie. And the zombie pops in, uh, you know, all the better. All you'll the better. be docked points. <laughs> okay. Wait, no, no. As long as it's epic and dramatic, you'll be okay. Okay. Oil zombies. Gotcha. Well, all right, go write this thing. I'm going to figure out what I'm going to write, <laughs> and I'll be right back with my story. All right, guys. I am back from my very, very dark place writing about <laughs> There Will Be Blood. 
Uh, I hope you're happy with yourselves because I'm just sad now. (laughs) I am very happy. (laughs) It's a good sign. I decided not to go with the uh, Paul W.S. Anderson's Resident Evil There Will Be Blood crossover. Uh, So instead Mm. I did a very serious portrayal (laughs) of There Will Be Blood. Um, (laughs) So without further ado, I will start it up now. A man who preaches of hell should know how it feels to burn. In a way, Daniel was doing Father Eli a favor. He finished securing the rope around Eli's knees and dropped the end over the foot of the bed. There, above the rope, he suspended a plain tin can from the ornate awning that covered the fat man's sleep. Did the people of Little Boston know the excesses of their spiritual savior? (laughs) If Daniel had any doubts to begin with, and he hadn't, Finding the luxuries in Eli's home would have steadied his hand. As it was, it was simply an extra bit of leverage for the future. Through all of Daniel's movements, Eli hadn't stirred. He slept the sleep of the righteous, of a man who had never been questioned, who never knew fear, knew pain. That would end tonight. Daniel crouched low and placed a candle on the ground. It burned brightly as he wrapped the end of the rope around the candle's base. Satisfied that it was secure, Daniel pulled out his knife. He stood there for a moment. How easy would it be to end this now? A single slit across the throat and the town would be his. Daniel's workers wouldn't complain, and those who did could be bought off easy enough. But no. The message was more valuable than the man's life. Those who would challenge Daniel needed to see what would come of it. He drove the knife into the tin can. As he pulled the blade free, oil started to pour onto Eli's feet, his bedding, and of course the rope. Soon the trickle would reach the candle, and the fire, well, Daniel expected that would be enough to wake the man. (laughs) The rope that bound Eli to the bed around the knees was thick. As the fire spread, he would have two choices. Wait for the flame to consume the ties to the point he could break free, or burn his hands as he struggled to undo the knots. Daniel rather hoped he would choose the latter. It would be quite a sight to see Eli preaching with charred hands wrapped raw and red. Confident that everything was in place, Daniel turned to leave. The worst thing that would happen if he was wrong about the rope catching fire was that the whole house would burn down before Eli could extinguish the flames. Even with the bucket of water, Daniel had thoughtfully left out for him. (laughs) It's in God's hands, Eli thought, or Daniel thought. He laughed. Come to kill me in my sleep, Eli said. Daniel sighed. If I had, you would have ruined it by waking For a man who preaches of the common good, you do tend to think only of yourself. (laughs) Eli's scream for help was as predictable as it was pitiful. Daniel closed the gap to Eli's bed and placed his knife on the man's breast. It was enough to quiet him. Daniel spoke as he wiped the oil from the blade off on Eli's white homespun. Thirty pieces of silver was what it cost to make Judas betray your lord. Do you want to know how much it took to get your servants out of the house? might just make you reconsider your role as the spirit of this town. I'm not afraid of you, Plainview, Eli spat. That's good, Father. It really is. You see, fear is only helpful when it allows for us to take an alternate course of action. The man in the wood who finds a bear's tracks can follow fear to avoid an encounter. The man who knows he cannot swim can trust his fear to keep him from the water. But you? Well, you could fear all you want tonight and it wouldn't give you another option. <laughs> Eli struck out at Daniel, but he was slow and weary. 
<laughs> Daniel caught Eli's hand easily and held it firm as he made a cut across Eli's palm. It was a shame he wiped off the knife. Oil in the wound would serve the man right. <laughs> You're a monster, Plainview. The people of this town won't stand for this. No, sir. Not a monster. A family man. A businessman. And above all, a practical man. Now see, if I was in your position, practical man that I am, I would be wondering why my knees were bound, my feet were wet, and the room was getting hotter and brighter. But you, you're a man of God. Trying to damn your fellows in the afterlife instead of realizing that there are pressing issues to attend to in the present. Daniel released Eli's hand and stood to leave. Good luck tonight, Father. Daniel looked over his work as Eli began struggling at the knots. The oil had reached the candle and was slowly burning up the rope. Eli cursed and howled as he tugged at his ties. Daniel noted with pleasure that the cut palm was slowing Eli down. Eli had brought that on himself, after all. <laughs> I'll kill you for this plain view. And that crippled boy of yours. Daniel calmed himself as he moved towards the door. Eli had never taken a life. Never felt the pulse go out between his fingers, knowing that was the only way to keep claim on what was his. Never mind gold or struck oil. All the man had was a voice. And if he kept talking, instead of acting tonight, he wouldn't even have that. Still, he shouldn't have brought H.W. into it. Crippled boy indeed. Daniel's son was more of a man than Eli would ever be. Better, too, because he'd never have to hear the verbal sewage men like Eli spewed. As Daniel left, he thought he'd bring H.W. a present. And what did he know? But there was a lovely bucket of water laid out for him by the door. Daniel made his way into the night, bucket in hand, and walked away with the music of Eli's screams and the warm glow of fire at his back. The end. Oh my! That was excellent. Oh my! Wow! Yikes! So that was fantastic. Uh, I really liked the imagery of this. Like it was fun to kind of figure out what the heck he was doing. I really enjoyed discovering that um it was so it's the sort of thing that i would never have thought of it was very clever um man daniel is sadistic <laughs> which you got pretty much perfectly yeah. that's there was something like that you great. did that we i don't think we described to you um he tells these stories about what he is and like the nature of things and like you uh -huh. you did that like you had him do that even though we did not you know pre preface you to do so like that speech regarding uh fear and like all these little like uh you know parables or whatever you want to say like that's totally something that we would have heard in this movie <laughs> mm -hmm. oh yeah the, the only uh big thing i think you had wrong was that you made uh eli a big old fat man and in reality, uh, in the in the movie, uh, Eli is played by Paul Dano, <laughs> which we did not tell you. Oh, okay. This this young, uh, small little guy. <laughs> so I enjoyed that a lot. <laughs> oh man, so did I. Um, yeah, uh, a couple of things. Uh, the the wane of the throat slit. You know his his like his whole reasoning and like explaining the reasoning behind it. Like again, just a, like those little moments, like between that, the Judas bit and the fear bit, like completely. Like again, like that was that is Daniel Plainview's character in that in the film. It it's it's just spot on. Um, 
<laughs> businessman, practical man. Oh my goodness! And this is uh, this story was some lovely fan fiction esque wish fulfillment. So you didn't take just an everyday moment in uh, in New Boston. You just had your main character go after the villain, and I love that. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, like I said, he took me to a dark place, and I had to claw my way out of there. <laughs> just like eli sunday <sighs> so it, it disturbs me a little bit that uh you say this is so spot on to the character and these are the types of films that you guys like watching <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah marcus <laughs> these are complicated characters there's, there's some depth there uh, yeah well, very good. What what are you guys going to rank me on my adaptation of There Will Be Blood? Mm, I would uh, say I, I enjoyed this story quite a bit. Uh, my rating for you is going to be, I'd say, three and a half bubbling crudes. <laughs> bubbling crudes. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, dude. Um, yeah, I, I, I think I'll, I'll go uh, an eight- Derek's out of 10. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you, gentlemen. I look forward to hearing what you have for me next time. That'll wrap it up for this week's Sham Fiction. Thank you for listening. This has been a Two Jackets podcast. Check out more at twojackets.com. And your pal Andrew is back. See? That was pretty fun, right? I probably totally listened to the whole episode with you, too. Remember that part when I said something hilarious and Eric, Marcus, and you all laughed? God, that was the best. (sighs) Thanks for listening, folks. We'll be back with a new episode next week, the big, bombastic, mega-fantastic finale of Dueling Sham Fiction. Until then, have a great week, everybody. Bye.